time out. <laughs> Hi, my name is Christina Holmes, and what we're doing is we are making sound. Hello, Christina Holmes. Welcome. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Making Sound, episode 54. <laughs> With my oh yeah, you want to turn turn your email off and your phone off? <laughs> Welcome everybody. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, man. Uh, it's great to be back, folks. I hope everyone's doing well. It's episode episode fifty four of Making Sound with Jan Close, and my guest is Christina Holmes. Is here with me. So excited. And we are brought to you by Music Makers New York. 260 West 36th Street in Manhattan, awesome. New York, New York. So nice they named it twice. Here, here. here, here. And Andy Lozner <laughs> is here, my co-producer. It's great to be back. We, uh, we had a little break, and we are um, back with a bunch of shows coming up. And um, Christina Holmes is my guest. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about this uh, young woman who, who is a musician who came to us through your publicist, Alicia. At, the best. Uh, at PFA, mm -hmm. at Paul, Paul Freundlich Associates. <laughs> I like how I said that in, in German. Like anyway, <laughs> folks, if you don't know Christina Holmes, you, uh, you should. You really should. Uh, she is a New Jersey-born, Rhode Island-based singer and songwriter, of course. Another musician. Musicians. <laughs> uh, she has toured with Donovan Frankenreiter, who I actually love. I want to talk to you about him. I love and, him, too. Uh, He's a good guy. And one of my drummers that I used to work with uh, plays in his band or used to play in his band. Okay. Uh, she's toured with Trevor Noah. I'm uh, not Trevor Noah. That's a, that's another one. That's a different different Trevor, guys. Trevor Hall. Trevor Hall. Also another good one. Another good one. Xavier Rudd. Also, I love them and, all. Yeah. Her third full-length album. You've already made three albums in, yes. your, in your youthful years. The Beautiful uh, Struggle debuted at number 13 on the iTunes singer-songwriter charts. Good. That's a pretty good start. It was pretty, it was pretty, pretty exciting, to be honest. Yeah. She's been seen on Amateur Night with the Apollo. I definitely want to talk to you about that. Yes, definitely. She is a guitarist who also plays djembe and piano. Christina, I'm gonna, we have a new segment on the show, and I'm going to start you off with it. You're going to be our guinea pig for the segment. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's very nice to be back on on making sound here, and um, the new segment is actually quite simple, and it is this. I'm going to ask you a question, and the question is, Christina Holmes, what's on your mind? Um, to be honest, right now I'm yes. just thinking about this podcast, and I'm also thinking about life. To be honest, so. Um, right before I came, came in here, I just put my daughter down for a nap. I have a one and a half year old daughter. I also have a 10 year old daughter and two 13 year old sons. What? I do my, <laughs> stop <laughs> it. Stop it. I do. Yeah. My wife, when I went, when I met my wife, um, my, the older kids were three and five and, uh, I, I mean, I've been in their life ever since. And I gave birth to, um, our youngest, um, August of 2020. So right before I came in here, I put her down for a nap and I was like, I hope she's doing okay. So to be honest, I was just kind of like making sure she's good, but obviously everybody Congratulations. else. Thank you very much. Wow. So did you adopt your wife's children? Um, we're in the process of it, but yes, yeah. they, they, I mean, they've been my kids since they've been in my life, but yeah, I, that, that is the plan to. To, uh, how up. how uh, you're, you're in Rhode Island? I am. Yeah, I actually came up here um, to go to the University of Rhode Island to go to college. And then um, I spent like two and a half semesters up here. And I ended up dropping out of college because I 
signed a record deal in California with Tarpan Records, which is like an independent label in South, um, San Rafael. It's like right outside of San Francisco. Um, and I just kind of wanted to pursue music. And at the time I was attempting to do both. And I felt like I couldn't put everything that I wanted to do in while I was also trying to do school. Um, and to be honest, I really only went to college because it was like my parents' dream because they never got to go to college. And at the end of the day, college will always be there, but like certain opportunities, you know, might not. So I took the chance and I've been kind of, I'm no longer with that label. It actually didn't work out very well. Um, I had a great relationship with them, but it just, we didn't, what we were doing together just didn't mesh. Um, and I've been kind of just doing it on my own ever since, but yeah, school brought me up here and then I never left. And then I ended up falling in love and I, now I have a home here. My family's here and I don't plan on leaving. That's cool. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, family is everything. You know, yeah. um, if there's one thing that I've learned uh, through this pandemic, um, I met my partner during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Nice. And uh, we live together now. And it is a uh, it's such a gift when yeah. you have, you know, someone in your life. And it's not always easy in, in our world, you know, in the in the business of music. You know, I spent 10 years t traveling and had never had the time to start a relationship and I did and I took a chance and and uh, you know it worked out it's never easy nothing's ever easy when it comes yeah. to relationships you know they're 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 a lot of work but um, that's a beautiful story um, so you're originally from New Jersey yes I am we're in New Jersey uh, Hohokus New Jersey it's like right uh, it's about a half hour outside of the city next to Paramus he's Andy, laughing Andy's no. looking at me my co-producer Andy Losner is looking at me going I know where that is yeah He's a Jersey boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> Where are you from, Andy? I'm originally from Sea Caucus, and I live in East Brunswick now. So oh, nice. Nice. Sea, I like Sea Caucus. You say Sea Caucus, not Sea Caucus? I always thought it was Sea Caucus. I say Sea Caucus. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the whole Newark, Newark thing. Like, my dad grew up in Newark okay. and says Nurk, but I say Newark. Nurk, Nurk, yeah. Like, Nurk. I just, I'm like, what? Yeah, I just got to fly over Newark Airport and mm -hmm. Manhattan. A fan of mine who came to a show I did at the Bitter End in New York, great venue, I shout out to the Bitter End New York City. Um, I'm taping my podcast, stop calling me. My God, <laughs> you know, God's sake, I, don't people know that I tape on Thursdays? <laughs> no, and that's changing too, we're, uh, we're having a good time. So yeah, I just got to fly over um, uh, New, uh, Newark Airport, Newark Airport. Yeah. And uh, people get in Europe get it confused. In Germany, my family's in Germany, and they get Newark and New York confused. They think, is that the okay. same? I'm like, no, it's not. It's close, but it's not the same. Really and uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, uh, this uh, this man, uh, who, Barnett, his name is Barnett, and he took me on his, uh, he has a plane. He has a Cessna. Nice. And he uh, said, you want to, you know, he saw me post a picture of, of me flying or on, on an airplane because I was glad to be flying again, you know, after two years of hardly flying at all and traveling at all. He said, do you ever, if you ever want to go on a flight, you know, um, I'm happy to accommodate that, you know, and he did. And it was really fun. And uh, and he's actually a guitarist as well. He he plays and he he uh, he he takes guitar lessons with Mike Stern. Do you know who Mike Stern is? The guitarist, jazz that's guitarist. Pretty, that's pretty awesome. Fabulous guitarist, uh, yeah. one of my favorites. That's pretty and, epic, actually. And one of the sweetest people around. And we yeah. should get him on the show. But uh, <laughs> today I want to talk about Christina Holmes, and I want to ask you a few, a few things about your. You know, I'm very interested in how you incorporated family and career. Uh, and, yes. and you have a newborn 
and um you know it it's there there's a there i think you have a quite a bit of a story there that's i i know it's kind of personal but what okay, i've noticed I, I about yeah what i've noticed about you is you know besides your music you you incorporate your personal life in your social media you're very you're relatively speaking very open i would say mm-hmm. About I, your yeah. personal, you know, what happens to you, what has happened to you, how you deal with it, you know, how you how you um, kind of defy struggles and and come out on the other side, and uh, I just wanted you know to you to tell us a little bit about more about you how you got, a little bit how you got started into the music business, you know, how you got that deal, and then how things kind of progressed from there. Sorry, and, I don't, I oh yeah, just, we have to turn on notifications I off. I got to do the same thing here. That. Hold on one second. I got to do. This. Do not disturb. I'm on my wife's always lap. on. It's just doing it, doing things, and I don't know how to turn it off. Oh uh, yeah, I know it's uh, the life of the life of connection that we're okay. in. Um, but yeah, do you uh, do you want to just give us a give us a little overview and? Uh, um, so I mean, basically, us, when I yeah, when I when I started, I've always written music my entire life. Um, I'd say. I music came to me at a very young age because of my father. He was, he always sang when I was a kid and about, I probably started writing when I was about eight years old. Um, but I didn't start sharing music with people, even my family until I was about 18. Um, and I, I just, you know, it was a, it was a confidence thing. It was like, I always wanted to share my stories. I knew this is what I wanted to do, but I just, I couldn't find it within myself to do it. And then I ended up going to college at university of Rhode Island, which is why I'm in living in Rhode Island. Like I had said before. And my, um, my roommate, who's one of my best friends, she, uh, she was not in our room at the time. And I was singing in our dorm room and at URI, like the, the walls are cement and like, obviously the doors are wood. And I was just always a self-conscious singer. I thought that, Oh, nobody can hear me outside of my dorm room. And um, I was singing one day and my roommate ended up coming in and was like, Oh my God, was that you? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I heard a ukulele too. And you're holding the ukulele. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was you singing. And she ended up making me do an open mic night at college, like the next night. <clears throat> and I played two songs and I butchered both of them completely. I like didn't finish either of the songs. But um, what I found out from that night was as scary as it was, it wasn't as scary as I was making it out to be, I, which is what everybody in life seems to think that like you overthink things so much that it makes it so much more terrifying. Um, and it was scary, but I, I knew that it was something that I could do. So I started doing every open mic night that I could possibly do. Um, I started, um, doing happy hours and I busted on the street and I played all these different things. I started playing for my, with my friends bands and then, uh, how you had brought up before in 2012, um, June 6th of 2012, I played, um, at amateur night at the Apollo, which was probably one of the most life-changing, uh, experiences ever, just because of the fact of being able to stand on that stage Mm-hmm. Um, and to be a part of just, it was just magical. And, um, that alone, I think changed was a very big pinnacle for my confidence in performing in general, because I had, you know, so around, I'd say this was 2008 when I did my first open mic night and I was doing all these things, playing all these, you know, like happy hour gigs. And then like I brought to the Apollo, but I still didn't have the confidence to be the singer songwriter that I wanted to be. Like you say, I share my song, all the songs I write are about my life. I, I get very intimate with my song. So I like to I'm the type of performer I tell stories. I tell stories. Ding dong. I don't know why it keeps doing that. I turned it off and it I'm so sorry. Is it are oh. you on a are you on a Mac? I'm gonna give you IT I am support. On, I am on I'm on the Mac and it it's it, the messages is go, closed. I don't know the, why. Go to the top right of your screen. 
Uh-huh. You see those those buttons that go left and right. This is a little IT lesson to everybody. IT lesson. <laughs> if you're depending on what OS, what operating system you're in, uh-huh. there's that those buttons that go left and right at the top. Uh huh. If you click on that, there should be a thing that says "Do not disturb." No, top right of your screen, like very uh-huh. top, next to the date or close to the date. Yeah, next to the date. I see. I'm clicking on the lines, and I'm just I'm just messing up. Do you see? Do not disturb. It doesn't. It just says notifications today, yesterday. There's, there should be something at the top that says "Do not disturb." I'm just disturbing the podcast 100. <laughs> oh percent And you're very popular. I'm. I'm. It's not like I said. I'm on my wife's computer, so it's literally her phone like pinging off on and on the thing, and I'm just. I don't know. Just don't turn know. everything off, but me. Right. That's, you. Everything is off. That's what I don't understand. Well. You're, oh, I'm so you're still far. getting you're still getting messages. I know. It's just like making it. Oh my god. All right. And uh, we just uh, you know pressed a bunch of buttons and <laughs> it was just I, I, magic. But uh, I can go back to I was talking about the Apollo, so I could go back to that. Yes, please. Um, so pretty much, uh, I got the opportunity to play the Apollo. I auditioned in March of 2012 and then I didn't get to perform until June 6th of 2012. Um, and pretty much if you know, don't know the premise of the show, um, which I'm assuming you do, but for the people, for the audience, um, the premise of the show is basically if the audience, the audience decides what happens, if they don't like you, they can literally boo you off the stage. So, um, so it was just one of those things that I didn't know. Um, I just felt like I was ready to, I wanted to audition for something. I had auditioned in the past for The Voice and for America's Got Talent. And I got through like a couple of the little auditions, but nothing to like get onto TV or anything like that. Um, and I just wasn't really, I just felt like I could captivate an audience. So I'm like, okay, if anything, you know, I'll play at this legendary venue and hopefully either make it through or, you know, or I just so didn't want to get really wanted it. You know, if you've already done The Voice and you've done those and you yeah. go to the Apollo, you must yeah. want it really bad. I did, to be honest. And it was just kind of one of those things that I, I just felt like I could do it. I, and the Apollo mm-hmm. was like kind of the ultimate test of like who, what I, you know, who I was at the time and who I could potentially become after that. And um, so I, I made it to that day and it was like, you have to touch the tree of hope, which they put on the stage. You got to like rub it and go up to the thing. So they up to the mic and they say like, you know, you sing your song. You're like, thank you, Apollo. And then um, you go on if you can make it through your song. And, you know, most people, you know, cause it's a comedy show, a dance show, music, people can get booed. And, um, I was terrified. I was just like, you know, shaking and you have an opportunity to play with the backing band, um, that like the Apollo backing band. And I was so intimidated to like play just my own self that I was like, I'm just going to go straight up, me, myself and play an acoustic guitar. And that's, what's going to happen. So that's Good. what I did. And I went up, I played Hey Soul Sister by Train. And I ended up getting a standing ovation, which was probably um, was the most incredible moment ever, just because I'm so glad I didn't get booed. But people started cheering. People were having a great time. Um, I ended up making it fourth in the in like the night. And was I was that a song. Can I ask you, was that a song that you had already incorporated in your set in the past? Uh, I had. Yeah, it was just kind of like one of those songs that a lot of people had requested for when I was playing like happy hour shows. And it was just a song that I love to sing and people seem to enjoy Um, and I, you know, if I probably was a little bit more, um, if I, if I were to do the Apollo today, 
I'd probably sing Ain't Too Proud to Beg by the Temptations, to be honest. I would I would kind of like take it. I would and I would play with the backing band. I would like take over the stage and all this stuff. But at that time, it was like, what was my most confident song that I could sing that I knew people enjoyed and I knew that I could like you know, I could get through and captivate, you know, a bar. So maybe I could captivate um, mm-hmm. the Apollo. And that was like I said, my whole thing is I did not want to get booed off the stage. Um, cause the guy comes out, he's like, okay, we're going to, you know, hook you off the stage. And, and that was it. But, um, it kind of was just this change for me that was like, if I can sing at the Apollo and not get booed, I can, what, what is going to make me anxious yeah. now? What's do, make me nervous? Do you think that, so I used to busk back in Hamburg in Germany yeah. when I was starting out and I feel like busking taught me I everything bus- like oh, a busking. lot, mm-hmm. you know, because you, it, you, you really have to be there for the joy of it. You know, oh, for it, sure. It, it's not. It's not anything. It's not I'm anything my, else. You know, because I'm everybody just walks past you. Oh, for sure. But even even just as you say that, like, because I I it's still to this day. Even when I'm on tour, like playing open a uh, headlining or opening up people's shows, I will bus randomly in some cities that I just I just love to bus. I love that like street connection. But even when I was leading online to audition for the Apollo, I was I opened up my case and I was singing to the street. People were like walking by, like taking pictures and like the buses pull by and they're like, this is the Apollo. And I'm just like sitting there, like playing my acoustic guitar. And it was like, I didn't care if one person listened or whatever. I love music so much. I love playing music. I love sharing my stories and just songs in general. And busking, like I said, is just one of those experiences. You can have people like I've played on this on the street in Philly before and I've had people just come up to me and start singing like whatever song I was playing. Like if I was playing a cover song, they'd come up and start singing or people would come up and ask me like, Hey, do you know this song? And then they'd sing or like somebody be like, Hey, can I spit a verse? And I'd like play like a beat on my guitar. And then some random kid comes up to me and starts rapping. I feel like it gives people, you know, in some, for me at least, cause not every busker feels this way, but like I get people that gravitate towards me that like want to join in. And that makes me feel really happy. Cause all I like, my music is just something that I want to help bring people together anyway. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that, even just like on the streets, I can get people to come and hang out and just feel like yeah. secure enough to be like, Hey, I'll, I'll jam with Watch you. Watch that you don't knock that computer down. <laughs> oh, I know. Right. That'll be the next. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's cool. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to, you know, find out where is your, where did you get the bug for music? Like, what was it that made you want to, you know, do this like there there's something in you that you know that i'm getting that that is that has this um pull like a need like you need that kind of you need either the connection or or the you know what is it and where do you think it comes from i think i mean in general my love for music came at a very young age from my dad and i feel like it was my dad worked 24 7 and I'd say like the most thing that we ever connected on. What did he do? Um, He, I mean, he's done everything. So he's done everything from being a mailman to pharmaceutical sales to he's owned his own business. He's so he's kind of done many things over the course of my life, but he's my whole life. He's always been a very hardworking driven man. And music was something that we always would connect on. Um, And I feel like my love of music came from him because literally since the day I could remember, he always sang to me, um, every night of my life, he would sing to me, he'd come home from work or he'd come, if I was asleep, he'd come wake me up and he'd sing to me. And, um, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when oh, you're, whatever you're doing with your arms, you're, you're oh, knocking sorry. into something. So I keep hearing like oh, a okay. bump. So I just want to just, just be aware, just be aware, just be, be aware, aware of my body, be aware. Of your, Maybe we should your, just give you a guitar. 
I know, right? Seriously, just I got <laughs> energy I gotta is just overflowing. Overflowing. Um, yeah, but so, yeah, he just what was, your, what was your dad's name? David. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he he passed away when I was 25. Um, so in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know. I just I've always since I was little. Like he just always gave me that love for music. And he played the guitar when I was a kid. And it wasn't until I learned how to play the guitar that I realized that he actually didn't know how to play the guitar. He only knew like two or three chords, but he knew enough to just kind of like mess around and sing to me and hang out and and um, I don't know. I've just since I was a little kid. I just it's something that I've I would watch people on TV and perform, I would go to a live show or I would just like see people on the street. Like I would see but street street performers. Like the first time I ever saw a street performer, I might've, I think I might've like lost my mind. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, you can do this on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know, since I was a little kid, it's just this flame that's burned inside of me that I've just wanted to play. I just feel like it's what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to share the stories that I want to share through music. I'm meant, I was given this gift. At least I believe that I have this gift that, um, yeah is meant to be shared. I don't, so you're I don't one know. of those people that whose whose first musical influence is actually a family member. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Can you, um, can you, if you want to, and I know you, again, this goes back to how you share your personal life on your social media, your Instagram, et cetera. Um, can you go into the loss a little bit of your father and, uh, for and sure. how that, how you, how you reflected that into your songwriting? Yeah, for sure. Um, so for the last, like the last five years of my dad's life, he was very sick. He, um, he actually ended up dying from a heart attack, but he had kidney failure for those five years. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually tried to get a kidney transplant at one Well, he got one, a kidney transplant at one point and then it failed. So then he lived the rest of his life on dialysis. Um, and he was always a big, um, supporter of my music, but like I had said early in the podcast, um, his dream of one of his dreams was for me and my brother to go to college. And, um, I just had bigger dreams, not saying I don't ever want to go to college and get a degree. Cause maybe in, in my life at one point I will, but music is just my dream that I want to pursue. And he always understood that, but he was like, you need to go to school and then you can do music. And I was like, I need to do this. And then I'll go to school. <laughs> like, I just knew that I need to do that. And, um, it took him a kind of a little bit of time to come around to me, um, doing music as a career. And he just didn't think that it was, he didn't understand how it could work. And I think it was kind of something he wanted to, he was in like an acapella group and he was a kid that he probably wish could have taken off and he would have loved to be a singer, but it was just something that he didn't have the confidence to do. And he just, you know, whatever the reason was. And obviously, um, but I, he got to this point where um, he wanted to see me perform, but he was so sick that he couldn't see, couldn't come to my shows. I was playing. I mean, I, I play all year long. So there was always opportunities for him to come, especially I played, I would play all at that time, especially I would play in New York all the time. Cause I grew up in Jersey. Um, I've played in like so many different venues in New York city. I wouldn't even be able to list them all from extremely dive bars that like probably no one's ever heard of to Irving Plaza and all these different venues and the Apollo, um, for amateur night. But, um, he, he never was able to come see me play a show until um in October of 2015 the month before he died I was on tour with Trevor Hall um who is like now a really good friend of mine and he gave me a really big opportunity with going on the road with him for that entire tour um and every time a show kind of came up that my dad was going to be able to go to he was like you know um maybe the next one maybe the next one like I'm not feeling good but this tour when we were in New York City he's like I'm coming to this show like he was very adamant about it um and he came to the show 
And I was, like I said, I was opening up for Trevor Hall. It was a completely sold out show at Irving Plaza. And it was like a complete dream come true being a Jersey kid going to see music in New York city, playing a show to a sold out crowd at Irving Plaza. And uh, my dad was only well enough to come for my set. He actually had to leave before um, Trevor came on, but he came up to me and he gave me a hug. I could cry saying it, but um, he gave me a hug and he was just like, I'm so proud you didn't listen to me. And I totally understand why you took the path that you took. And I'm so proud of you. And, um, and who knew that he was going to die a month later. Um, and it was just this very profound moment that I I've even talked to Trevor at length about just thanking him for like giving me that opportunity to have that show that time. Cause if I wasn't on tour with Trevor, I probably wouldn't have had a show in New York city that time. And maybe he would have never seen me perform live. Um, so after he died a couple months after he died, um, I found a birthday card that he wrote me <clears throat> that said, I love you more than life. I love you every moment of every day. I've loved you since before your saw before I saw your face and I'll always love you forever. And, um, it was a very emotional, obviously when I found it, it was very new that he had just passed away. And I, for whatever reason, I found this card and I instantly started singing like the, the chorus. So the words from that birthday card are the chorus of this song. And then the rest of the song are my own feelings about it, um, about like this, uh, my own words. And then the song actually ends with a voicemail that he left me that says, I just called to say, I love you. I love you. And then the whole song ends. Um, and I wrote that song to kind of, um, you know, release my emotions with the situation. We always wanted to write a song together, but um, we never got the chance to. So it was like this weird, like, here are these perfect words for this perfect chorus. Just write the rest of the song. And now you guys have a song together. Um, and I wrote the song for myself um, when normally, like, I, I mean, I write all my songs for myself, but I, I write my songs for a hope of a connection to my audience and to my fans and to the people that are listening. But this song in particular was just like kind of a very selfish song that I kind of wrote for myself. And um, the first show that I had on tour after he had passed away, I told myself that I was like, I'm going to sing this song every show for the rest of my life until I feel as though I don't need to, because I felt like it was my way of connecting my dad and bringing him to the shows. Yeah. And to be honest, it, out of ever, I have many songs that people love and that people are captivated by but that one in general um has been probably the most inspiring to people and pe the, the amount of people that come up to me after shows and tell me like oh my dad or I, like, not even like it doesn't even have to be a parent um the amount of people that people have lost and have connected to that song it's been a really like awesome experience that, it's a that's a great story um i have a question for you and i don't think i've ever asked any of the other guests this before um 54 episodes in but what <laughs> You know how we as writers, as songwriters, use music and writing, you know, almost like therapy, you know, as self, yeah. like to self-therapize. And true. how do you, how would you explain that experience to someone that doesn't write? And what do you think, is there, is there something that people that aren't songwriters or writers in general that don't have a creative outlet that they do to to accommodate that need right you know i yeah, mean sure. of course there is you know you can go see a therapist you know yeah. you can cook a great meal like there are a lot of other ways to get to be creative and to find sol you know find um a zen like state where you where you are able to release and you're able to connect with yourself and you know you kind of it you it's work. It's bomb for your soul. Like it's a, it's a way to, to heal. Right. 
like and we have to self-heal because we are you know a, a single entity you know so it's not something that i mean you can medicate but that just that will you know can provide a vehicle yeah you know so yeah i wanted to wanted to ask you that um I how mean, do you, how do you explain it to people? It would be, I don't know. It's, it would be, cause I was going to say like, as far as I'd put it to like people writing in a journal, but you're like, if you're not a singer song or if you're not a writer, that's, or a, that's general, a good example. You know, that's, but but, I, but I a lot of people is, do journaling. That's a good, you know, so I comparison. feel like it's just, I, uh, and sometimes that's what I do. Like I'll just write down what I think and what I'm feeling. And it just, you know, sometimes I'll be like, Oh, that's a great song lyric. Or sometimes I will literally just pick up my guitar and just sing and record whatever the heck I sing. And I've come up with a lot of songs that way. It's just, I feel like the best way I could describe it for, like I said, with writing and journaling, but also I'm a big surfer and I get the same feeling from writing music that I do surfing, which is weird. Mm, which, no, I totally so, understand. I'm a swimmer, so, I'm a know, swimmer yeah. and runner and, you know, yeah. swimming, like being near or in water or near the ocean. Yeah, does, it's just so oh, healing. Oh my gosh. And just, yeah, just being in the water in general. Like sometimes I, I live in Narragansett, Rhode Island. So I, I live in a beach town and there's water within walking distance everywhere, driving distance. And um, sometimes I'll just go to the water and just like lay in the ocean, like just like float in the water. Cause it's, yeah. there's just something about it. Um, but music to me like that, it's just this, this flow of energy. Like you said, you could go to a therapist, you could, you could journal or you could, you have, you could cook a good meal. Like my wife loves to cook. And, um, uh, her dad was actually a chef. So when she, she gets upset and she gets emotional, she like, she'll go to the supermarket, get a bunch of different things. And she chefs up like the most amazing ever. Um, but I feel like, um, the, I mean, the, the easiest way to describe it to somebody, even if you don't write would be journaling. It's like, you're just writing down your inner thoughts and just kind of allowing yourself to spill it out in a way Mm -hmm. that, um, I mean, for me, turns and can turn into a song, which not necessarily can do that. Like my son in general, he he'll journal. And sometimes he says, I don't even I'll just write like I'll, sometimes he just writes weird words. It doesn't even make sense. But for whatever, writing down, just writing and doing that. And then my daughter, Marley, she'll scribble. So she'll draw and she'll color. So people have like, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to to describe, but I feel like no, the it, best. That's you know? it. That's it. Like scribbling a lot. You know, I mean, that's something that we learn as kids. Yeah. You know, and you go, here's a piece of paper and fill this in, color this. But the, the, the process that happens in the brain when you do that is, is um, it stays with you forever. Yeah. You know, I, I love the fact that you're talking about your future adopted children, your wife's children, oh, as your so children. Yeah. They, oh, they are my kids 100%. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, can, I, can I ask you uh, regarding that in Rhode Island and in, in, in where you are and I mean, you know, being able to get married to the same sex is still somewhat new. It's only been yeah. a decade or a little over a decade that we've been able to do this. Um, and adoption, etc. How how difficult is the legal process for you and your wife to to do this? And, and um, how long and how long does it take? And where where are we at with all of that? Yeah. I mean, for, for us, it would probably be, it wouldn't be very difficult if it wasn't for, um, my wife's ex-husband, I'd say. I mean, it's for, for, as for gay rights in, in Rhode Island, we would be able to adopt them pretty readily, but, um, there's kind of pushback on the other side, which is totally fine. Um, I mean, I, we raised them, they live with us full time. Um, they are my children. They've been my children since, since they've been my, since we've been together. Um, so 
I mean, legally it would probably be pretty easily. Um, but there is pushback on, on other fronts, which is unfortunate, but I mean, at the end of the day, they're my kids regardless. And hopefully like legally it gets taken care of before it would ever be an issue that I, you know, things would be yeah. done. So with that, we probably have to be careful because you might have to not say certain things. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, perspective. Not, no, I know, but it, I mean, it's not, it's not like any like big, big thing, but I'd say that. But uh, then again, this is actually something that heterosexual couples would face just as much. Yeah. It, yeah. There, I, I don't, yeah. I, for, I would so, say, I don't think there's any really big yeah. difference in Rhode Island, at least for us at this point in time, right. um, for us being same sex. Right. That's, that's amazing. Really. When you think about it, you know, a decade ago, this was, we would have yeah. been fantasizing about this, you know, yeah. or, you know, a little bit longer than that. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. So, so you're, you're um, just, a, just a little bit of, of a music, music question for you. Um, first of all, Donovan Frankenreiter, you know, I, meant, I mentioned yeah, earlier right. that um, a drummer I, I used to work with, um, Kevin Hines, I think he's, oh, he's nice. in Ohio now. He used to play with Donovan. He yeah. did for a little bit and then something happened and, you know, they, 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 uh, it went separate ways, whatever. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know, I've I've been following um, him. Not like I don't know his music that well, but mm -hmm. I know of him and I've heard some of it. And you know, uh, he's a he's a he's very much a um, um, you know an art imitates life, life imitates art type yeah, of he's guy. Just, yeah, he's very I, he funny. Is, he's I very he's hilarious. Him. He is he is literally probably one of my favorite humans to be honest how did you how did you connect with him and um, how did you get to go on the road with him and then i want to uh, ask you because you just left that tour yes well actually i was supposed to be i'm supposed to be on it right now actually but right. i it's um, february 24th entire, 20, yeah, 22 by the way my family got um attacked by covid and um we all were okay from it but for whatever reason i have a side effect of i can't breathe correct like walk i can't walk up the stairs and be out of i'm out of breath walking up the stairs i can't really like pick stuff up without being out of breath and um right before i had told donovan that i was like i was i had as far as COVID had gone it had been a couple of weeks that i hadn't had it but i like could not breathe and i was trying to do my set and everything and um it just didn't, I couldn't get through a song without feeling like lightheaded and tingly and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to put on a show that's like appropriate. Um, and he pretty much said, he was just like, at any point in time in the tour, you're welcome to come and join on. And at, I, I was hoping at some point that that would happen. But as of right now, um, it's getting better. I'm using my wife actually got me this, like, it looks like an inhaler, which is weird, but it's not, it's like a, a little thing that has like this ball in it and you breathe through your nose and then you push the ball and it like vibrates and it's supposed to help like deepen and strengthen your lung breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm doing that and that's been so helping. These, these are like basically what we talk about or refer to as long COVID. Effects. Yeah. And it, right. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a very scary, um, situation just in the sense that like music is everything to me. And right. I mean, like, and at the end of the day, if I, I'm not saying that that will ever happen, that I wouldn't be able to sing or anything. Um, but I just feel like it's, it's just a weird, I've never, I've always been a powerhouse belting singer. I've never had mm. an issue with my breathing. I can mm. hold notes wow. for ridiculous. How, how, how bad, um, you know, how bad did you have it? Like, can you, can you, um, you're comfortable I mean, talking about that? Yeah, I mean, because what I, they're saying me, is, is that it, it's related yeah. to, to scar tissue, basically. That's, that's created I, yeah, I mean, through the, the illness. Yeah. It's weird because my wife had it the worst. Um, she, I mean, she was sick and like could not move for probably like 10 days. Like she was like sleeping and like was having issues breathing. Um, and then she had it first, she ended up getting better. And then I got it 
and pretty much gave it to my entire, the rest of the family and my couple of friends. But I, um, I mean, I was, I was really sick, but I also, for how sick I got, I wouldn't expect myself to like, still feel this way. You know, like I, I did get sick and it was like, I, I was coughing, like didn't really have energy to get up or move or anything like that for a couple of days. Um, but it's just, it's interesting because as I feel great otherwise, but if I were to like stand up and then sit back down, I'd be like out of breath. And that's like just bizarre. Um, so, um, it's interesting. Everybody that I've known that have had it, I've known a lot of people that have actually passed away. And I've known a lot of people that have struggled from it on event and came off event and were okay. Um, but everybody seemed, I mean, especially with the different variants, everybody seems to handle it differently, but I, um, I, I mean, I got pretty sick, but not, not, I feel like as sick as I got, I feel like I should be okay at this point. But I, I'm, like I said, I'm not yeah. with breathing. Yeah. So did it, did it change your perspective on, on, on the illness, on the virus itself or, or, um, or to be honest, I've been terrified of COVID the entire time it's happened because I got pregnant in the middle of COVID. Um, which is actually uh, funny how you brought up Donovan Frankenreiter prior to us getting into the COVID conversation, because when I was the last tour that I was on um, was with Donovan, I was actually pregnant with my daughter and COVID was starting to happen. And right when we got home from that tour was like that, that the uh, March 13th, when everything like shut down. Yeah. Um, so we had just gone on tour. We couldn't really tell at any shows other than LA, like wasn't really that busy. And it was weird because LA is always busy. Um But, and then like in, in Las Vegas, they were like mopping down the, um, the, the stage with like bleach and stuff. But, um, I don't know. It just, I, I just feel, I, I just totally lost my train of thought, but the, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, it, it's, uh, it, you know, we, uh, may you live in interesting times and, you know, yeah. here we are again, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, at least I'd like to think so. And, I, uh, yeah, I, and here we are, you know, well, with, uh, yeah. with, you know, who, Uh, making a mess of uh, Eastern Europe, you know, on, on this day. Yeah, just, I literally, you know, last night I was, I was still up. Uh, I was still, I was up late and I got this Twitter notification um, of what, you know, that, that, uh, you know, Putin was get going into Ukraine and, uh, and, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's just really like, you can't catch a break for God's sake, man. Yeah, just, you know, like, come on, man. Can you, do you really yeah. have to do this? I mean, first of all, why, <laughs> no. why are you doing it? Yeah. And and be you know, really haven't the last two years been rough enough? Come on, it's just it just the just I mean you could for every aspect of of life today I feel like it's just been it's just crazy. It's a WTF uh, a couple of years and, uh, like it's just ongoing. And, yeah, and that's what I would what I was trying to say before is that I COVID has just been terrifying for me because I like I said I was pregnant when I was on tour and then we got home but when I I gave birth to my daughter. Um, and she ended up having some issues when she was born. So she's now 18 months old, but she, she had eight surgeries before the time she was 13 months old. So mm -hmm. I have had a perspective for everything with the pandemic and stuff. Um, probably more sheltered and scared than most because of mm -hmm. the risks that my daughter could have, could have had, but then she ended up getting it when we all got it. And, um, she almost ended up in the hospital, but we were able to keep it okay. And she was mm -hmm. okay. How is she now? She's good. She, uh, She, she was born with a rare, um, a rare cluster cluster of birth defects. Um, so she, she's had surgery for all of the things that are like life threatening to her or past her, I would say knock on wood. Um, uh, but she's definitely going to have to have some surgeries as she gets older. So that'll be interesting to see as she grows, how that 
plays out. But I mean, she's the happiest, strongest human I think I've ever met in my life. Like that kid has been through so much and she's always laughing and giggling. And if anyone wants to know how cute she is, you can go to your <laughs> Instagram because you post the pics and uh, you tell the story. And, you know, again, like that's something that I found that's different about yeah. you, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of artists, especially, well, not people in general, there are a lot of people that like to have their personal life exposed, you know, yeah. and, and artists, especially like we sort of live off of that. But I, I feel like the way you're doing it is, is not for show, you know, you're yeah, doing no. it because you're trying to inspire others and help others. For sure. And, uh, and, you know, which is, is cool. You, um, I, I, this is in your bio. You, you said that you, you, uh, you, the first, some of the first gigs you did was for mm-hmm. musicians on call. Yes. So have you ever Can heard- you talk a little bit about that? Because this is I, really interesting. Not pe- um, many people know what Musicians on Call is. Um, and it kind of ties into a little bit what, what Music Makers New York does, too, because they, they, uh, uh, they work with different groups. It's something, there's a lot of it on their website, uh, you know, I, but I, wanna tell you, I wanna, want you to tell that story quickly. Um, so, so basically, musician, Musicians on Call is a, um, a charity that brings music to hospitals and to patients. And I was one of the musicians that would go um, actually to hospitals in New York City because at the time, I haven't been able to do it in the past couple of years because of my daughter. I've, act- I've actually sang at the hospital with my daughter, but not with musicians on call. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would go to um, all the different hospitals. I mean, at least 15 to 20 different hospitals in uh, the New York City area um, and go and sing. And they would basically you'd have a sponsor um, who worked for the the, um, the charity and they would um, bring you to each room and um, unless you were in like a, like a terminal wing or, or something, you never knew like what the patients were going through. Um, but sometimes the sponsor would have to be like, you know, you're, you're, you're not singing for the patient this time. You're actually singing for, you know, the family because the patient can't hear you or, um, you know, you can't go in the room because this is a sealed room. So like, there'd be like little things that they'd be able to tell you. Um, and it's interesting how like the first ever, um, person that I played for, um, with musicians on call was a baby in the NICU who knew that my life would have been the NICU for 40 days when my daughter was born. But, um, and this baby was six months old and did not, their parents had not been to the hospital since the baby was born, which what, for whatever reason as to why I'm not sure, but, um, and the nurses had pretty much been like, this is our baby. Like uh, our baby's been, and the baby had been like upset for like a couple days and like had nonstop been crying. NICU would be natal ICU. Yeah. Is the, is like, yeah. So it's like the ICU, but for like, um, neonates. Natal intensive care unit. Yeah. So little babies. Um, so pretty much preemies and, um, pretty much you're only there if you're a preemie or if you have, um, if you're a newly born baby and you have some sort of issue. Um, and, um, this baby was crying nonstop. And the, the sponsor had told me, she was like, the nurses had said that this baby's really upset. Maybe like music will calm it down. Um, and I just want to let you know, like, if you are unable to sing to this baby, this might not be for you because you're going to see a lot of patients like this. And what she meant by that was this baby had like a, a complete incision on its entire belly with like staples and tubes and all sorts of stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, the hospital's not all happy go lucky, obviously, as you know. Um, and um, I didn't know how, you know, you, you're new to the program. You only know so much. You don't know what kind of patients are going to sing to. So I walked into this room and it was like heartbreaking to see this baby and also to know the backstory. Um, but I sang stand by me, um, to the baby and I got the baby to stop crying. And every single nurse that took care of this kid was like standing in the doorway, hysterically crying. Cause they're like, how the heck did you get this baby to stop crying? Cause he was just like upset and 
I mean, rightfully so, um, in the NICU. And then like the, the parents had, hadn't been around and like the nurses had become the parents pretty much. Um, and that was my first experience with it. And it was just from that point on, I was like, I want to do this to every person that I could possibly sing to. And that, that day, that first time I had, that was my first patient. Then I sang to this woman. Um, I went into this room and the, the sponsor had said, you're not singing to the woman right now. She's actually deaf and blind, but you're going to sing to the husband. And she's been here for however long she had been there for. Um, and, um, you're pretty much just there to cheer him up. So I was like, of course I'll, I'll, I'll cheer him up. So I walked in and I, I ended up singing. And while I was singing, um, the woman like turned to me, like she literally like turned to me to the point that the, the husband like stood up and like thought something was about to happen. But she, I mean, she was deaf and blind. So who you can't know, she can't tell us that this is what happened, but she definitely felt the vibrations of me singing because how else would she have turned right to my direction? And I could literally, I get goosebumps just even thinking about it. Cause it's just, um, it's just crazy. And then, and you know, I'm so thankful for a program like that because it just gives an opportunity. Like I said, like you, you sing to the patients, you sing to the families, you sing to the nurses and the doctors, but it really can music is a therapy for, for people, even if you don't even think it is. Yeah. Um, and, um, I just, I love that foundation and I think they're great. And, um, I'd say the, my favorite experience with them ever, um, was, I was at, I think, I believe it was Mount Sinai. Is that in New York? That's in New York city, Mount Sinai. It is. Yeah. 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 There, um, there's, yeah. yeah, there's several locations. I'm actually, yeah. I'm, I'm near their location in Queens. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, and there was, uh, we were on like, not a right now. Oh, sorry, not right. <laughs> we were music uh, makers in New York. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We were on a, a terminal floor, so I knew that like everybody that was singing to that day was either near death or going to be dying, mm-hmm. and um, so that was heavy as it as it was. And um, I went into this room for um, he was like a seventeen year old kid, and like I said, I don't know what he was dealing with, but I knew that he wasn't he wasn't going to be living um, very long. And for whatever reason, when I walked in you just kind of have to take the tone of the room to figure out what you're going to sing. Cause they don't, most of the time, nobody's requesting you to sing something. You just go in and you're like, this is what I'm playing and whatever. And I sang no one by Alicia keys because that was just what I wanted to sing at that point in time. And, and um, this kid had gone, he had been in the hospital for three months and had not spoken to a single doctor or nurse or anybody. He would just like nod when he was like, okay, yes. Or like, no to what he wanted, but he was physically able to talk. He just didn't because he was obviously mad that he was dying at 17 years old. And for whatever reason, I sang no one by Alicia Keys and he sang every word with me to the point that I started crying and everybody was starting crying. And I like, I, I didn't know what to do because I, I like, didn't, I, I'm not supposed to be crying. Like I'm supposed to be making this kid feel better, yes. but it was, so, it was so emotional. Like I could cry. I'm like starting to cry right now. It was just such an emotional moment. And the mom, like we left the room and I was like, I like pretty much lost it. Cause I was like, I don't even know it was just very emotional. Like I'm literally crying thinking about it right now, but the mom came out and she gave me like a minute and a half long hug. And she was like, you have no idea what you just did for my son. And like, gave me a hug and then I'll, I'll stop talking. Cause we're going to start crying. But that it was just so, like, yes, that, you know, yeah. music that I think like the, the surrounding thing about my music career is that music is so healing. It's healing to me and it's healing to everybody. And I feel like that's just my, my goal in life is to be able to like heal people through music and, and musicians on call is 100% one of the best ways to do that. Mm. That, that is something, you know, music brings people together and it heals. And, uh, you know, the, I think most people know that 
Um, I do. I do think that there are there are music can do other things too. You know, yeah. and maybe you can speak to this because you're you know you you spend a lot of time thinking about this. Music can also make you angry, depending on the music. Yeah. You know, sure. like it can also cause a lot of aggression. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder sometimes, of course, it's it makes it's OK. It, it, it everything has to have a yin and a yang, you know, um, but I feel like in your in your time and like when you grew up, you know, you listened to your father, obviously. But what other kind of music, what other artists did you listen to? to inspire you and um you know because we gravitate towards a, a specific type yeah. of music right you know and it it doesn't matter how old or it is or how long it's been around or how new it is you know yeah. we we're just sort of it it just kind of depends on what what cloth you're, you're you're cut from yeah that makes you respond to a certain type of music and i often wonder like why why is that like what makes us like you know uh thrash metal but and what makes us like mozart know. you know right? like what w- i think why it's is that like what do you have you ever done any musings I've, on this? I've thought about i've thought about like just uh just music just music in general like that because um i feel like a lot of the time you could have you know time periods of your life like um for for example, <laughs> this is really weird, but when my grandfather passed away, that song by Cher, Do You Believe in Life After Love? <laughs> <laughs> I have was, a story like, about that. Remind literally me. like the number one song on the radio at the time. Wow. And whenever that song comes on, it like makes me mad because it's not like a mad song, but it makes me mad because it makes me think of like the time that was literally for whatever reason, it was like the number one hit that that when he had passed away. And it was wow. like constantly on Z100 and it was just playing and playing. And it was just like this, I don't know. So for me, like, like I said, that's not a song that would ever make anybody mad probably, but I feel like music has a connection to emotions. So depending on like, for me, at least like certain times of my life, like I can, I can bring back certain moments by hearing certain songs. Um, like, and I could say like at any point in time, if I hear Bob Marley, I think of my cousin, my cousin Travis passed away when he was uh, 29, I was 15 um, and, um, he, he, he molded my, my love of reggae probably at, at like age six, because I used to go over to my aunt's house and he would like bump music and we would jam out. He had conga drums and his brother had conga drums and we would just like sit around and, and play music and just jam out to reggae. And at my, at home, my dad was big into the Beatles, the beach boys and like Led Zeppelin and all these other, other older bands and stuff like that. But reggae, um, which some of them, I have some music over the course of my three albums. I have some reggae songs like sprinkled in there, but I'd say like Bob Marley in general was a very big influence in like a lot of my music because of just like the words that he spoke about and like what he wanted to do with his music as well to like mm-hmm. kind of like share that vibration of the positive music and like kind of bring people together with all this kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, I have I, two things. So I have uh, a Believe story from Cher. So number <laughs> one... When I did my first EP in New York in 2003, I worked with a producer named Marlon Graves, Marlon J. Graves. Yeah. And the guitar line that you hear on Believe, yeah. he played that. That's awesome. So it was kind of cool because, you know, it's a hook. Yeah. But he was the session guitarist on that session and he played that line. That's really and then cool. the second story is, is that my now management, big management in New York... Gary Salzman and, and Joe Copy and uh, Gary, we lost. Gary, we lost to COVID in the very beginning. Oh. 
But his business partner, Maury Levovitz, took over the company and with, together with Joe. And uh, so, but back in the day, in the Believe days, they publicized um, or promoted the, the dance version of that song. So there's two <laughs> Share Believe stories. So we got to share. Uh, but but yeah, I want to get back to the to the the you know the the sort of musings that we're having having about uh, how musical taste gets set, you know. Yeah. And, and you were mentioning memory, mm-hmm. you know, and and how we relate, you know. And I'm and I'm sure there's something there's a very scientific answer to this, like how we, you know, how you remember certain things about your of uh, the past from smell. You know, like well, it'll oh, trigger sure. that, yeah. and like a song can do the same thing. It'll trigger that memory, and it'll be very, very vivid. Mm-hmm. You know, and That's so it, it, you know, the neurological of this. You know, I don't know how much studying there is on that, but I think it, it's something that I would like to know more about. You know, when I when I think about it, like I want to know what part of our brains get stimulated when yeah. we hear a certain type of music, and how do we, and why do we associate? Yeah, and how does taste yeah, get get sure. molded from that, you know? And then repetition, because then yeah. we start creating ourselves, you know? It's also interesting, too, because um, I love, I, I grew up loving hip-hop music because of my brother, but, like, none of my, like, my parents didn't listen to hip-hop. So it's like, where did his, I got it from my brother, but, like, I don't really necessarily know where his love of hip-hop came from. I mean, it just could have spawned on itself. Obviously, people like music, but talking to this topic, it's interesting to see, like, where how you do, you get certain interests. Like I'm still a huge Beach Boys fan to this day because of my dad, but would I have ever been a Beach Boys fan on my own if it wasn't for those memories that I had as a kid that I like, you know? So it's interesting how, how you can, how to me, like a lot of my music taste comes from, like I said, my memories, but I don't think that's true for everybody else. I think that like, you know, like obviously I've gravitated towards certain bands and things on my own, but they've stemmed from like, oh, I like this band because, you know, like I like Donovan Frankenreiter because I like Jack Johnson and I like Jack Johnson because I like, you know, so it, you can just kind of, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting for sure. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, then there's certain types of music that you just discover randomly and yeah. you hear it and you go, what is that? And you respond to it, you know, and, and what is it about that? Who knows? You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of different answers that you can give for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, music tends to uh, do the the work for us because it will it will frame a certain situation or a certain time in your life, and it will become the soundtrack, as they you know call it, to to that particular moment. Like I will I will always associate um, Steely Dan's uh, was it to to buy a thrill? Is that the name of the album? Can't to, buy a what is it? Can't buy a thrill. I will always associate that album with my first tour in New York when I was on tour with Jekyll and Hyde, the Broadway show Jekyll and Hyde. You know, very different kind of music. But when we were on that tour bus, I had that I had that CD, and I listened to it over and over. And it, you know, it was that, and there were several other others. Um, um, Buena Vista Social Club was something I could not stop listening to. You know, and then I had to get it on vinyl because I just have to. And it's still when I start listening to that record, I still get like I zoom back to that tour bus. You know, it was a bus and truck tour, 
And it was rough, you know, and we would be out in the middle of nowhere somewhere in Texas, you know, with like open, open skies, open land, you know, and, and I still get like catapulted back to that time. You know, music is so powerful like that. And it's beautiful how you're telling the story about how you're using music as a healer. And now yeah. you're using it, you're using it for yourself, yeah, you know, for sure. and your children, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful story. I, I have to ask you what what how you are um, how you're coming out of this time, getting back into performing, getting back into releasing music. Uh, has your attitude changed? Are you doing anything different? You know, I'm. We're starting my my label and management. We're starting to set uh, new music to be released. You know, so mm-hmm. this whole process is starting to to happen again. And I, you know, I'm super excited about it, sure. you know, and, and I've missed it, you know, so it's, you know, like I'm finding myself, I don't know what your experience is, like, but I'm finding myself just, I've never enjoyed the process as much because yeah. it can be, it's very stressful to make a record, you know, oh, sure. and it's, it, it, you know, like my friend Shikana in South Africa used to say, uh, she's a well-known singer down there. Uh, she used to say, you know, every time you make a record, you die a little. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've never stopped. Yeah, I've never stopped <laughs> thinking about that. But this the here now when I'm that I'm working on this album, you know, and we're going to start releasing music soon. And and uh, and I feel the complete opposite. It's mm-hmm. like I've never felt yeah. this excited about. Yeah, I feel like it's so wild, you know, maybe yeah. because of everything that's happened. And we do you used to take it for granted, you know, but yeah, I feel like I just feel like um, I've always my whole life. I've always been writing music and everything. But I feel like given the the past couple of years with with the, the pandemic and everybody having to, like, learn this new way of living and then with my daughter going through everything and then also trying to navigate having um, my older kids have to go through seeing their baby sister not come home from the hospital when it's born, when their best friend just had a baby the day before and the baby came home like the second day, they're like, well, why hasn't she come home yet? And um, I feel like music has, it's always been fun for me. It's always been creative, but I feel like when I go into the studio, it's always fun, but I have this like, okay, I gotta, this is my business mentality. I gotta like get my stuff done. Like I'm always creative and I'm always like flowing through the process, but I feel like now, um, especially, uh, through everything, I actually built a little um, like studio in my house. So I'm able to kind of record everything that I want whenever I'm able to versus I would go to um, my friend's studio out in California and I would, I would record with him. Um, Warren Hewitt, who's one of I love him so much. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, and he, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had so much, more, so much fun in the studio than I do with Warren, but I feel like I'm just diving more into um, the creative process. Like I've always played a bunch of instruments and, um, my live show, um, I loop when I play live. So I have a loop pedal, I have an acoustic guitar and I play the djembe and then I loop different things. I do harmonies, but I feel like my new live show coming out of all this and the songs that I've written is going to be a loop, my djembe, my acoustic guitar. I'm also going to throw in a bass. I would love to have a piano and I play the drum kit as well. So I, I would eventually love to bring all of that stuff because I do that at home now. Um, which is kind of how looping started. I, I always was just a singer songwriter with me and my acoustic guitar. And I always wanted to play with a band, but the people that I wanted to play with either didn't want to tour or were already touring with a hundred different bands. And I wanted like, if I'm going to have a band, I want it to be my band. Like, I don't want like 20 different people playing like every other night. Like I want to like jam and it just didn't work out with the people that I wanted to play with. 
And I had been looping in my, in my house for like five years before I actually did it live. And I'm like, why am I not doing this? I was like terrified that like, I wasn't going to like the technology of it was just like, what happens if the power goes out? And I was like, I just sing with my acoustic guitar. What I, what I do what I did prior to that anyway. Um, but I feel like it's definitely made me dig into um, a more creative, fun space of adding different instruments. And then like my, my kids played the sax in the, in the middle school band. So there's a random alcohol saxophone in my house. So I've been putting that into my music too, which I know I never thought, I think I would have, if I wasn't had had the time to be able to like be around and um, immerse myself into just jamming with random things that I find everywhere. <laughs> Not that a saxophone's random, but um, you know what I mean? So I just mm-hmm. feel like that's what I feel about. Yeah. Very cool. I uh do you have any do you have any new music coming out? How can how can people find you? So you can I mean you can find me all over the place um on all the social media things for Christina Holmes um and then christinaholmesmusic.com is my website. Um I do. I'm I am in the process You're of You're so lucky to have such an easy name that you don't have to I know. you don't have to spell <laughs> I, it out at all. Do I, you? I, I, well, most of the time people will call me Christine though. So like, I'll get, like, I've even got credit cards sent to my house with Christine on it. And I'm like, that's not my name. That's not what I wrote. Um, but yeah, but it is, it is, it's definitely, it's definitely easier, but the, um, so I'm, I'm in the process of recording, um, a lot of the song. I, I I've been trying to figure out how I wanted to go about if I wanted to come out with a new album, if I just wanted to do a single, I'm definitely going to come out with a new album, but I think I'm going to focus on a single first. Um, but all of the songs that are going to be on the next record are all songs that I wrote during the, the craziness time of my daughter, um, being in the NICU and being in the hospital, um, and all that kind of stuff. And just the emotions that came from that, not necessarily that all the songs are like about that situation, but like the emotions that had, that were brought out and the, the creativity I feel like is on a different level than I've ever really created before. So I'm really excited to, to push that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say, um, I'm pushing for, I would love for it to come out before the summertime, but I think just given how my, my breathing has been going post COVID, um, it's realistic to say that I'd, I'd be coming out in the summertime for sure. Cool. So people can find you, um, everywhere under Christina yeah. Holmes, right? Yep. Christina Holmes. And, uh, That's I even great. have, a, I even have a TikTok. I, I started doing TikTok a little bit ago. Um, and I stopped well, you, doing, you were, you were bored enough, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> Um, I started I, one too, but I, I, I really, yeah, and I started doing it. And then, um, but I, I, I did start, I I've told myself that I want to, I want to start putting some content out on there just to kind of, you know, keep everything flowing. So, um, but everywhere, Christina, Christina Holmes, Christina Holmes music, you can find me all over the place for sure. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for being on uh, the show and, um, uh, who do we have coming up? I have to quickly talk a little bit about next week next week we actually have two tapings we have annie haslam from renaissance rebooked at last and then we have uh michael glubicki from rusted root thank you to music makers new york thank you andy thank you bob over here and uh we will see you next time